0: And welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. And in today's episode, we are talking about developing a healthy relationship with money. We're talking about financial anxiety, the ways in which money and finances can be a trigger in our relationships, and how to talk to our kids about money to support them as they are developing their own relationship. With money and finances. I invited my friend Lindsay Bryan Podvin onto the podcast. She's a biracial financial therapist, podcast host, speaker, and author of the book, The Financial Anxiety Solution. In her therapy practice, Mind Money Balance, she uses shame free financial therapy to help people get their minds and money in balance. She also supports therapists in private practice, and that's how her and I initially met. I've had her on my other podcast, Holding Space for Therapists. So if you are a therapist and entrepreneur and you want to hear more about how she supports therapists and how we as business owners can begin to develop a new relationship with money ourselves, you can go tune in to that episode over on my other podcast. All right, you ready to talk about money? We're going to do it. Let's dive in. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human, and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care, and you are so deserving of that care. Alright, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, Lindsay. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast and share this conversation with me. I'm really excited to dive into our topic together. So thanks for coming on.
1: I'm so happy to be here, Cassidy.
0: So you and I, we met on Instagram. We've um, connected over on my other account uh, where I – my Holding Space for Therapists account and that podcast as well where I'm supporting therapists and entrepreneurship and growing their businesses. And I was really excited to have you come on and talk to my parent audience because the thing that you really specialize in, the conversations that you're having a lot of on social media and with your clients and everywhere, <laughs> is around money, finances. And I know that both personally because I think money stories touches all of us and we all have a relationship with money in one way, shape, or form. uh, The way that that shows up for me in business is definitely something I wanted to unpack with you. The way that that shows up for me personally and in my home, my family is something I wanted to unpack. And I know that I'm not alone in the experience of having a relationship with money that comes from my own family history, that impacts my decisions that can show up and be a trigger when it comes to anxiety. And I'm just really excited to dive into this topic with you today. And before we do, we'd love to give you a chance to share a little bit about yourself, your background, and why is this a topic that you're so passionate
1: about? Well, you are spot on in saying that everybody thinks about money. We, we all think about money. We all have a relationship with it. And yet it's something most of us really don't talk about. Um, So my background is that I'm a clinical social worker and I specialize in financial therapy. So I have a background in um, clinical social work and then I did additional training in financial social work and in financial therapy to help people with the psychological side of money. So to share with your audience why I do what I do and how I got interested in this topic, it's it's a personal story. I finished school in 2008, undergrad, right before the economy took a nosedive, and I was, for a few months, really living the the dream in that what I had been told was, go to college, study whatever you want, and you will get a good job, and everything will be fine. So I studied sociology. And two days after graduating, I was on my way to Chicago to start my very first job in marketing, which I knew nothing about and had taken zero classes in. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. I have a job. It was like one of those cool startup companies that had like ping pong tables in the lunchroom. You know, I was very much like living that millennial dream. And during my time in that job, Cassidy, the market crashed, but I was a little bit insulated because I was at this marketing job. Mm -hmm. They extended my contract. I said no. I found out that marketing was not my thing. Mm -hmm. But in my head, I was like, I'll just get another job. It was so easy to find work. I'm sure I can do that again. And as all of your audience can probably imagine, I did not find a job. I Mm -hmm. went back to my college town and went back to waitressing for a couple of years because I could not find work, and it was something I knew how to do. I'd been a waitress since I was 16, was really comfortable doing that, and knew how to make a living in that way. And I applied to grad school to become a social worker and went to school and thought, again, if I get a master's degree, then I will be okay knowing or thinking in my head, rather, that if I could insulate myself with a master's degree, then I really have a handle mm-hmm. on this job and money thing. Mm-hmm. And I come from a financially privileged background in that my parents did pay for my college. And my very first social work job, I was earning less money than I was as a waitress. Mm. And when I got my first paycheck, I remember panicking I remember thinking, I'm not going to be able to do this. What is wrong with me? What have I done? I've squandered my financial privilege. I felt so embarrassed and so ashamed. And Mm -hmm. so I did what I knew how to do. I'd been in school for many years. I did a lot of research. So I went to the library. I checked out a bunch of personal finance books. I started consuming information on how to manage my money. And it helped somewhat in that I learned a little bit more about how to budget and how to save. But my body didn't care that I knew how to budget and knew how to save um, Mm. because I was still working a job where I did not earn enough. And the way that my body told me I was stressed out was that I developed chronic insomnia and kept getting sick. Every time I had a cold uh, and I started to feel like I was on the upswing, I'd get hit with something else. Um, so I was just physically ill. Yeah. And, and then I felt another wave of shame. How could I have a grad degree, not be making ends meet, know how to budget, and still be stressed out this much? Uh, about a year and a half into that job, I, a new job opportunity came up that provided a little bit more financial stability. I took that job. And when I got that first paycheck, my nervous system literally relaxed. And over the course of a few more weeks or a month, my, my sleep started to regulate. My um, immune system started to rebound. And that's when I had this moment of, yes, you can cut and you can scrimp all you want. But at the end of the day, earning more is also beneficial.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I was in a clinical role and it meant I was seeing a lot of people who were stressed out about money. Yeah. And my job as a therapist was to say, hmm, not my job. You should talk to someone else. And I just felt like that was such a disservice. Here I was with these folks who were opening up to me about heavy things. And when money came up, it was my job to say, talk to someone else about that. And Mm -hmm. and I just felt like it was just such a miss. I had this personal connection to money and wanted to kind of talk about it in an ethical way that was in my scope of practice. So that's when I started out additional training on, or I'm sorry, in financial social work and in financial therapy and started to ethically bring that financial psychology into my therapy practice. So for listeners, I'm never giving out um, investment plans or selling insurance or telling people you know, what they can or should spend their money on. I'm simply providing education and information on money so that they can make informed decisions about what they need to earn and how they want to spend it so that it feels really good for them.
0: Okay, thank you so much for sharing so much of the personal piece in all of this, because I can imagine that the listener in their own way, right, we each have our own stories around money and relationships with money, but could connect to certain elements of of what you've shared. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'd love to hear more from you around, you know, when you're working with clients and money stress or money anxiety comes up where do you kind of start with them you know what where where do you first begin to explore with them to help unpack the relationship with money or these sort of money narratives that we we kind of build throughout our lifetime
1: yeah so so i'll start with the money narrative and then i'll move into money anxiety so What research has found is that by the time we're about eight years old, we more or less have decided what we believe about money. And when I say that, I mean, by the time we're about eight, we have made a decision about what we think money is, what we are allowed to spend on, what we are allowed to save for, um, what is good money, what is bad money. Um, We make all of those decisions as school-aged children. So when you fast forward to a fully formed adult and you're wondering why money is so difficult, I invite you just to remember that it's because kind of there's like an inner eight-year-old making these money decisions for you, you know? (laughs) So if we can offer ourselves a little bit of compassion and a little bit of grace, I think that can be helpful. So we, we create these money stories the same way we create any other story about what we believe. Um. We soak it up in in different areas. Um, I'm on a, a video with Cassidy, so you can kind of see that I'm making a small circle, but for people listening, I'm just doing concentric circles. So a circle of first, who kind of comes into play is your family, your household. So what are people talking Um, about money in your household, what does that look like? Does it feel tense? Does it feel scary? Does it feel like it needs to be a secret? Is money always fraught and its arguments heavy? Or is it joyful? Then kind of Mm -hmm. moving out What does money look like in your community? So when you were a kid, did you go to a school where everybody had free and reduced lunch? Or did you go to a school where you were in a high-income area and all the kids got to go on field trips and the school paid for it, right? Were you wearing uniforms? Were you wearing non-uniforms? Was there a certain shoe you needed to have to be considered a part of the in crowd? Mm -hmm. And then kind of moving your way through the community. What did your religious or spiritual organization say about money? Was there a lot of talk about money being for greedy people? Or was it that, Mm -hmm. you know, your are higher being blessed people with money? So what was that message? And then moving further out in that circle, it is is the policies and the systems where we live and the narrative that is acceptable around money. Uh, Cassidy and I I are both based in the United States, and there's one very strong narrative about money here in the United States, and it is that... That if you work really hard, you can succeed. And so when it comes to money, it, it can be really, really complicated because there are plenty of people who work hard and plenty of people who do not make enough money to make ends meet. But because the narrative in our country is if you work hard, you should be compensated for it it can lead to a lot of confusion if somebody's working really hard and not being financially compensated for. It can feel like shame or embarrassment. Um, So yeah, so that's how we get to kind of the money narrative. And I'll pause before we go into financial anxiety, because I know that was a lot.
0: Okay. I first just want to say how much I really appreciate this piece that you shared here about the fact that we develop our ideas around money at the age of eight, and I think the reason is I found myself, as you were speaking, kind of just thinking back to myself at eight and connecting back in with what was happening around me and the things that I heard and witnessed as it related to money, and I found myself feeling a lot of compassion for myself at eight, trying to make sense of what was oftentimes actually quite confusing messages as it related to money and when I think about myself as a young adult and even an adult now relating to money and trying to figure things out there's like this tenderness that I kind of found myself feeling towards myself recognizing that you know That eight-year-old still lives within me, right, still today, and is, you know, still trying to make sense of the experiences that I've had around money, and so as I'm making decisions or as I find myself feeling triggered in different circumstances, um, just having that kind of compassion and tenderness towards myself, connecting with the fact that that little, little me is still in there, still trying to figure things out sometimes, I don't know. It's I think that if I could connect in more with a little 8-year-old me in these moments and if I could bring in that tenderness and compassion there might be some more openness in just allowing myself to move forward whether it's in making financial decisions or finding myself getting triggered in a conversation with my partner for instance and being able to recognize that and take a step back and take a breath um, and have that compassion for myself and recognizing maybe what it is that I'm needing in that moment that might actually really support me in some of those conversations um, and in those moments and in those decision, decision points. As I reflect personally on myself at eight and maybe begin to explore some of the roots of my own money anxiety that I've had as an adult, I think about my dad who grew up where in a, in a home where there was oftentimes a lot of stress around not having enough money. And that definitely showed up in his adult relationship with money. There was definitely a lot of tension and stress and arguments with my mom around there not being enough money um, and around just fears around spending money. And my mom grew up also in a home where... There was stress around having enough money. But when for her as an adult, once she started to make her own money, there was this sense of like agency and independence that I think felt really good to finally have. And so she never wanted any independence to be taken from her when it came to spending money and wanted to be able to spend money freely now that she had her own. And the tension that that kind of brought in our home growing up in addition to some of the systems around us, the school that we went to and the people that were in our orbits and experiences I had where I just never felt like I was really good at math um, and also f- never had any classes <laughs> you know, in school, college, graduate school that really addressed money and finances. All of this really resulted in me entering adulthood feeling like I did not know a lot about finances and felt a lot of money anxiety, like I didn't think that I was going to make good decisions and that I just had this narrative of like, I'm not good with money and fear of there not being enough, but also not feeling like I could really trust myself to make good money decisions. And then, you know, I got into a partner relationship. He has his own, (laughs) my husband has his own money story and now we're parents. So this is something that I really want to be able to address for myself and work on is developing a healthy relationship with money, um, acknowledging that there is anxiety around money and that it's a trigger for me as I know it is for so many. And so I'd love to hear your take on this, Lindsay. How can we begin to develop a new relationship with money anxiety when it shows up so that we can do that for ourselves because we all we all deserve to have a relationship with money um, where it isn't just totally hijacked by anxiety, where maybe we can even experience some joy, but then also so that we can support our children in having a healthy relationship with money. It's hard to take our kids somewhere that we haven't been ourselves, right? Okay, so how can we begin to develop this healthier relationship with anxiety as it relates to money and finances?
1: Yeah, so when it comes to feeling triggered by money or experiencing financial anxiety, I first and foremost just want you to know you're in really good company. (laughs) We all experience moments of financial anxiety. And just like traditional anxiety, financial anxiety shows up in three places, in our thoughts, in our feelings, or our emotions, and then also in our behavior. So when we engage with our money, kind of step one is to figure out what are the things that are bringing up the physical sensation of anxiety, Mm -hmm. of that racing heart, of that tight chest, of the dizziness Mm -hmm. or sweatiness. What are the different conversations that inc- induce some of those anxious racing thoughts? Or what have, are some of those things that you see financially um, that make you want to behave in a certain way? So, first is just taking stock of when do I feel and notice financial anxiety? So for some people, I know that when they get paid, they experience financial anxiety, which might sound counterintuitive. But then when they explain it to me, they, they say things like, well, I just have to check that that money actually hit my bank account. I just need to make sure that the paycheck that I thought I was going to get is actually there. And from there we can kind of dig into what do you think that's about? What do you think it is about paydays mm-hmm. and checking your checking account that is so, um, so triggering of that anxiety? And what mm-hmm. we can kind of work backwards from is something like, well, growing up, My mom was always, you know, kind of hover over the kitchen table with a checkbook and a stack of bills. Mm -hmm. And she would continuously say, I just need to make sure my checks don't bounce, or I just need to make sure that these checks Mm -hmm. clear. So we may have started to soak up something about income and bills, or getting paid and paychecks, Mm -hmm. and some sort of anxiety or fear. So, first is just noticing when am I experiencing that financial anxiety? And then, two, is what do I want to do with that anxiety? For some people, anxiety just kind of comes and goes in a wave and it doesn't really impact them beyond a in-the-moment thing. So let's keep with this example. Maybe somebody checks their bank account on the day of their paycheck. They feel a little bit anxious when they log in. But as soon as they see that that paycheck has cleared and landed in their checking account, they say, Oh, what a relief. I got paid as intended. I'm all good to move on until two weeks from now when this happens again. Mm-hmm. They might not need to do a ton of work around it. They might just notice mm-hmm. that getting paid brings something up from their childhood, and yet it's not impacting their ability to do things. Mm-hmm. Now, contrast that with somebody else who the checking of the checking account then spirals into all of these other checking behaviors and all of a sudden they are making sure that they have paid all of their bills on time that their student loan is getting deducted that their retirement account is invested they're checking their kids 529 college savings accounts before they know it they've spent 3 hours and they've got 25 tabs open on their computer and they're looking at everything because they're so worried that maybe mm. somewhere they dropped the ball and and something impacted their financial life that might be a cue for that person that there's something else going on or that they may need to compassionately dial down some of that checking behavior. Mm. So we don't go straight from, you know, check 25 accounts to check zero accounts. We might say on the day that you're paid, make sure that your paycheck is deposited and make sure that the three auto transfers you have set up have gone through. After that, if you experience some of that continued financial anxiety, offer yourself a gentle distraction. That might be a walk around the block. It might be, you know, making a meal with your kiddo. Um, It might be taking a nap. It might be any of those things, but just offer a little loving distraction and then potentially coming back. And just like traditional anxiety, it It's normal until it's not, meaning it's okay to experience anxiety. It's okay to experience financial anxiety. But if it is getting in the way of you being able to take care of your financial Mm. life, that might be a sign that it's time to get help. So if the anxiety is manifesting as perfectionism to the point where you spend multiple hours on end checking all of your accounts and then you're getting behind at work or you forget to pick your kid up from soccer, that's probably a cue that this anxiety has got out of control, and we may want to reach out to a financial therapist or even a financial planner.
0: Enter the scene coexist coexist is the app that's revolutionizing how couples manage the mental load of household tasks and childcare. It's like having a personal assistant right in your pocket, helping you and your partner effortlessly share tasks, plan meals, collaborate on lists, and even give each other kudos along the way. Here's the cherry on top for my amazing community coexist is offering an exclusive deal Sign up for a two-week free trial before June 15th and you'll get 15% off the annual plan on iOS with the code DRCASSIDY15. So what are you waiting for? Really take that first step towards a more harmonious home life today. Download Coexist on Android or iOS at getcoexist.com.
1: For some people, they just need to know, okay, my money is doing what it's supposed to be doing and meeting with a financial planner who can reassure them is enough. And for other people, a financial therapist may make sense.
0: This is so helpful. And as you were talking, I was one I was I found myself also wondering. So I, I definitely know that there's been seasons where I've kind of wavered between both checking and like checking everything and like having all the tabs open and doing all the calculations and just Yet almost obsessing over the numbers, to the other side of mm. like avoidance, right? Sure. So, would you say that? I mean, and this could be related to to any to anything that we find ourselves um, having anxiety around, or um, that is a trigger for us, but. Um, Either going to the point of like, okay, I'm just going to pretend like it's not there. I don't want to look at the numbers. Um, I don't want to think about these things. And there's all sorts of ways in which we can avoid or numb or just kind of white knuckle through something. Um, And we can do that for a period of time until. We can't, right, um, until yeah. something blows up or something, you know, or the anxiety gets so loud um, that we find ourselves then kind of like slamming on the brakes. And, mm-hmm. um, and I'm saying slamming on the brakes because I have this metaphor in my head of like, you know, just like white knuckling, you know, driving through, pretending like it's not there, mm-hmm. and then slamming on the brakes and turning around. And anxieties in the backseat, and just kind of then being consumed by it, which I would then maybe put more under um, connect to like the checking, um, obsessively checking, you know, running all the numbers, all the tabs open. Um, so, do you see? Do you see both happening for folks? Yeah, yeah avoidance and. Um, and and I don't think anybody's ever so just like in one one boat or the other, but we can kind of get polarized, you know. Um, especially in the context of a relationship where one checks so much um, that the other is like, and maybe that maybe that's driven by anxiety, but the other is like, well, you you're you take control of all of this, so I'm just gonna be over here and ignore it, right? And it might mm-hmm. feel like avoidance, it might feel like control. Um, there's just so many ways in which this, this can interact relationally as well, I imagine. Um, and I know. And so, yeah, it's. I'd love to hear more of your thoughts about this kind of avoidance, um, kind of control dynamic that can happen within ourselves or relationally. and And then how can we begin to like address this, you know, within ourselves yeah. and within the context of a relationship?
1: Yeah. So I'll start by addressing – financial anxiety that manifests as avoidance. And then I'll talk about kind of those dynamics in relationships. So when it comes to financial anxiety and avoidance, oftentimes I think we put off dealing with our money because we're worried we're going to make a mistake. We don't know enough. We don't get it. It's not for people like us, whatever that means. Mm. And I think a lot of it has to do with the personal finance industry as a whole. It's a ton of jargon. They speak over, you know, normal people's heads all the time. Oh, my gosh. And it can be so intimidating. And so oftentimes I'm working with clients who are you know, highly educated, highly successful people. And they're telling me things like, Lindsay, I just don't get money. It's just like, oh, I don't understand it. And my heart just breaks because it's not that they don't have the capacity to understand it. It's that it's, it really does feel like a foreign language. So oftentimes with that avoidance, I encourage folks just like tackle one component of money at a time. So you don't necessarily have to be a whiz at Budgeting and saving and investing and compound interest and, you know, financial life planning. Like pick one thing that is, you know, kind of keeping you up at night, so to speak, or that you're avoiding Mm -hmm. and expose yourself gently, compassionately to that Mm -hmm. thing. Um, So, for example, I just finished up an investing course because I was ready to make sure I'm invested. I have a retirement account. I do all that stuff. And I still kind of felt like, do I really know what I'm doing? I think I know what I'm doing, but I just want to make sure. And what I noticed, Cassidy, during the class was like, oh, I felt so good taking the class because for years I've been exposing myself to these terms, this jargon, this information. And so that this time when I was in that course, it was like I was finally ready to receive all of the information. But I almost needed to be exposed to the different terms for a while before I was fully ready and on board to get it. Mm -hmm. Um, So when it comes to financial exposure, you know, pick one thing. Do you want to get really good at a budget or a spending plan? Cool. Then listen to a few podcasts about budgeting, watch a couple of YouTube videos, and give it a go. Um, Same thing goes with investing or saving or anything else like that. Then to your point about in couples, <laughs> so depending on the year and depending on what study you look at, there are two leading causes of divorce and separation in the U.S. And mm-hmm. they fight for each other, what, what number one is going to be each year, but it's almost always infidelity and disagreements about money. Oh, Those are the top two <laughs> reasons that people cite divorce or separation. So this idea- Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Like this idea that money is taboo or off limits is actually so much the opposite. What research shows is that couples who talk about money report, self-report being happier than those that don't. And there's like, you know, in media in in rom-coms and in all of these romance stories, you don't see couples sitting down and doing like retirement planning. No, you see like you know a heteronormative story of somebody like whisking off somebody to a magical getaway, and you never talk about how did they afford that tropical getaway <laughs> with the chocolate cherries and, or strawberries and champagne, right? We don't we don't talk about the practicalities of money, and it's not and we, sexy, Lindsay. It's not, I know, and, <laughs> and so that's the thing, right? We think it's not sexy, but I mm. I so disagree. I will die Love on it. this hill that I think that. Money talks are some of the most intimate and sexy talks Mm. you can have with your partner. I want to go on the mountain with you.
0: I want to go on the mountain. (laughs) That sounds like a great (laughs) mountain.
1: Let's (laughs) rebrand this. Let's reframe it.
0: Okay. Keep going.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because to me, there's nothing sexier than saying to your partner, I want to be with you for the long haul Mm. and I want to make sure that we are financially supported to do that. And I want to make sure we can afford spontaneous getaways and that we can afford to get old together and that we can afford to send our kids to college. And that to me is so sexy and so powerful.
0: Mm, Because there's security and there's safety and there's openness and vulnerability, all of those beautiful ingredients. Yes. Mm. Yes. I really appreciate what you named in terms of, you know, the financial anxiety and like just taking one thing at a time because for so long, I just – I really carry the narrative that I'm just not a numbers person. Like I – wasn't really good at math. Like I would I would make I would crack jokes whenever a client when I in the beginning of my career when my client when a client would hand me cash when I was a um an intern and I had to make change. And then I would just like it was like my go-to joke. And it was like a joke but also like felt very serious. I'm like, oh I'm not a money person. Like let me make sure that I make enough change for you. I just that was the narrative. Like I'm not good with numbers, not good with money. And then there were a lot of, you know, decisions that I made really rooted in some of my own financial anxiety that kind of wavered between, like I said, the like avoidance or like the obsessing and all the calculating. And the like you said, the lingo, the financial language just felt like gibberish and it just felt so overwhelming. But what I, I did do was reached out to first a couple of people in my life that felt really safe that I also mm-hmm. felt like um, had some confidence um, in terms of financial decisions and taking financial steps in their relationship with money. And they were people that I felt like I could ask questions to. And that's really where I needed to start start off with just getting information and like learning what some of the words mean and being able to ask a question without fear. And I would still say, this might be a stupid question. And these are the people that would say in response, there's like, there's no stupid questions. Like let's start from the beginning. Like that's what I really needed. Mm -hmm. And then from there um, took like made like decisions stepwise. And so the first was budgeting. Um, I most recently, like just in the last couple months, started really looking at um, starting a 401k. Um, And when I was going to set it up, I got stuck on the process of setting it up. And I just kind of stepped away for like a couple weeks. And then Fortunately, the company that I was setting it up with, like I got a couple emails because they probably <laughs> have that happen quite often. Sure. Um, and there was like an actual person with an actual phone number and I I was scared to call. And the reason I was scared to call was I was scared that I was going to sound incompetent or yep. dumb for the questions that I had. Um but I was able to, I was, I like wrote down the questions, I asked them, um, and there were still some lingering questions. So I followed up with, with someone I knew that could help support. I did some Google searches. I listened to some podcasts. And what was really helpful is when there were other conversations happening, I kind of tuned them out. So when there was like other stuff like um, health savings accounts or, um, you know, other kind of investments, I was like, wait, wait, no, no. I just want to learn about a 401k right now. You know, yes. like a couple yeah. of years ago, I set up an IRA, an individual retirement account. And that's been like the thing that I've kind of just like rooted myself in, in terms of whenever I have that like future anxiety, I'm like, you took that one step and that's that's enough right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I this is just felt like the next step. And there's so many other steps, but the overwhelm of that was just going to get in the way of being able to feel that security and that confidence in just taking this one step. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I really – you sharing that just really kind of brought that home for me of how helpful that was and how easy it is to get stuck Mm -hmm. and overwhelmed. Um, But just kind of being able to stay focused on on that one step and finding – the places you can go or the people you can turn to um, that feel safe where you can ask all the questions and begin to build that confidence. Um, and kind of coming back to that the beginning of the episode when you mentioned that like eight-year-old me who's still inside of me, like that, that visualization feels, like I said earlier, just really tender being able to turn mm-hmm. to like eight-year-old me and say, guess what? You're getting good with numbers, girlfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. You're you're planning for the future. You're gonna be okay. You're gonna be okay. Um, mm-hmm. and and it and and your 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 thoughts around money, the decisions around money, they don't have to be secrets. Like you can talk mm-hmm. to your partner about it, and you can you can find the people that you can talk to, and that feels really good to be able to like scoop her up and let her know that that's happening. Um, and. Yeah. And then, and then relationally, I love, I love that you're (laughs) rebranding talking about money as actually being quite intimate and build that security and that safety and that relationship because you're right. Right. Like what can money, what can money and saving money, um, Bring to us in our relationship, it, it can bring some things that we might typically identify as sexy, like spontaneity, right, and like mm. these sort of things, um, and and being able to to take time away and and have that quality time together because we we planned for it and we felt yes. um, safe and secure in making the decision to to take that you know trip or whatever it is. And we knew what the budget was while we were there. We knew what kind of decisions we could make, which allows us to not have to fight and argue about it, right, or feel insecure um, about the decisions that we're making. But I'll, my, my, I guess my follow-up question to that is, like, that sounds lovely. But, Lindsay, would you, would you say that anxiety and money, like, the relationship with that, is it always there's there's going to be still tense moments right like even if we do this work like it's just one of those things am i right like it's going to oh, yeah. it's still going to bring up stuff even if you you know really develop a new relationship with anxiety it's still coming along for the journey
1: yeah and it and it shapeshifts right so you might get really comfy with a budget and with a spending plan and your financial anxiety dials down around that and then Maybe you get a raise and now you've got all of this new financial anxiety with, Mm -hmm. should I save up for a down payment or should I put it in my child's 529 education savings plan? Should we go on a trip or should I buy that new car? What is it? Should I just have it sitting in in savings, right? All of that new Mm -hmm. anxiety that can come from earlier you mentioned joy, something that should be a joyous occasion, like getting a raise, right? So that, that anxiety will shapeshift and that's normal mm-hmm. and it's okay. And mm-hmm. it just means that we take some of those skills that we've learned in the past and apply them to the new mm-hmm. situation that's causing a little bit of financial anxiety.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure many who are listening right now, we, we're, we're still in global pandemic. Um, mm. And I know that definitely that definitely brought up stuff um, for me, as I'm sure it did for everybody in, in different ways. Um, I wasn't able to – well, I had a baby, so I was on maternity leave. But I didn't get to go back to work as um, soon as I thought I would because I wasn't able to see clients because everybody was at home and we were navigating distance learning. and. Oh, that brought up that brought up a lot of stuff because all of a sudden now our budgets have to change because our financial mm-hmm. situation um, shifted for a period of time. Um, I was also grateful that past me had considered future me by diversifying my income as a clinician, but we still had to make some shifts and. So yeah, there's it's it, it definitely sh- it definitely shape shifts like based on the context and situation and new season that we enter, um, but but I can really appreciate that you're naming here that those same sort of skills can show up there um, mm. as we're relating to that part of us. Yes. All right. So I, there's a lot of folks who are tuning in that are who are parents, and mm-hmm. I shared a little bit at, um, as did you about the, you know just how. You know, growing up in the in our homes, that that tends to be the first place. When you're eight, as you said, and you're developing ideas around money, you're you're living at home, um, you know, with with the adults around you. And so, how can we? Just a few things in terms of how we can begin to navigate relationships when it comes to money around our children and with our children to support them as they're building their own narratives in relationship with money.
1: Oh, great question. So, first, I'll say that it it doesn't have to be too complicated. And I know there are parents out there being like, come on, Lindsay, you're going to give me like a simple answer like that. But just like you teach your children about other topics that might feel a little bit uncomfy, some of the best things you can do to help integrate money talk into your household is to simply narrate what you're doing. When it comes to money, mm. so when you go to the ATM to pull out money, just verbally, out loud, kind of like walk your, like narrate what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm putting in my my um, you know banking card. I'm taking out a couple hundred dollars. So when we go on vacation, we have that money available. Or maybe you're going into a physical bank and you're depositing money. Just talking them through what it is that you're doing. Um, I can remember as a kid, my mom did this and I I have vivid memories, Cassidy, of being in line at the bank and my mom pointing to to the wall with the um, interest rates Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: explaining it to me. And I feel like every time we went into the bank, she just explained it to me, explained it to me, explained it to me. That is a CD. That's not a CD like a music CD. It's a certificate of deposit. And what that means is that you're giving the bank some money for six months or 12 months. And as a thank you, this is how she would phrase it as a thank you for you giving them your money for six months to 12 months. When they give you the money that they borrowed from you back, they'll give you a little bit of money that they call interest. And so she would just explain that to me in a way that made sense for my brain. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure when I was younger, she would just narrate. And it was also just like a rule across the board that um, I come from a large family. I'm the oldest of five. Um, anytime we got money for birthday gifts um, or, you know, religious ceremonies or anything like that, a part of it automatically had to go to the bank. We I can remember like getting money in a card and then just like basically walking up to my mom waiting for her to just make change. Um, I can't remember the percentage off the top of my head, Mm -hmm. but it was something like, you know, 20 to 50% of whatever we got had to go automatically into our bank account. Um, So I share those stories Mm -hmm. because again, I know, first of all, I want to be transparent that I did come from um, a different financial background than a lot of people, but it doesn't take My mom was a nurse, right? She wasn't a financial professional. She wasn't an investment advisor. She explained things in the way that made sense to her brain and then explained things to me that made sense for my brain. So what I like to think about is narrating, explaining, and also just being clear with your kids um, that it's kind of a topic just like sex where there's nothing to be ashamed about. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. And some people don't like talking about it, so be respectful of what their comfort level is. So you might say, in our house, we're really comfortable talking about money, Mm -hmm. but be careful when you go over to Susie Lou's house. They might not like talking about it, and that's okay too, Um, because you don't want to create a shame dynamic or a secret dynamic Mm -hmm. around the money, um, Mm -hmm. but you want to explain that everybody's comfort level is different.
0: Mm, this is this is so this is really resonating. Uh, just recently, my my daughter has had a lot of questions around sex, and her and I have been talking about her questions. If she's old enough to ask, then she's old yep. enough to know the answer is, yep, is exactly. Um, and but I also know that there are some of her friends' families who may not be having these conversations, mm-hmm. or not may not may not be comfortable with their children. Learning about these things, and and the way that I'm explaining it to her is, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed of. I'm not asking you to keep a secret here because around Mm -hmm. these sort of things, like that's not something that I'm interested in 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 us doing, right? Mm -hmm. Is having secrets around these things. But just like, um, I don't know, there might be little ones listening. If someone's listening to this in the car, I was going to use a S A N T A example, but um, (laughs) I'm going to veer away from that just in case. I say, just just like there are certain things that um, you know about that maybe your friends don't quite know about yet, their parents probably want to be the first ones to have those conversations oh, with them, beautiful. and so yes. we're going to show respect to their families by. Um, not talking to your friends about these things, you know, quite yet, um, just as a way to show respect to to their families and, and those parents, and so and she understood that, um, especially in the context of her having her being the holder of other information um, that her friends don't quite know about yet, and and so that that made sense for her. And I never really considered that kind of also bringing this to the topic around money and um, financial conversations or those sort of things. But I could see that being, as you said, very, very relatable. So
1: that's super helpful. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation with me today and to share all of this. It's so appreciated. This is a topic that a lot of people don't talk about because of some of the fears or the shame or uh, the secrecy or uh, all of the stuff that can come up around money. And I just am so grateful for you and the work you're doing out there to really begin to destigmatize and demystify having these kind of conversations so that we all can begin to relate to money and our finances in a different way and then to each other, right? Because it definitely comes up in relationships as well, as we discussed. Mm -hmm. Lindsay, where can people find you and the work that you're putting out there so they can continue to connect with you?
1: My business is called Mind Money Balance and you can find me pretty much anywhere except for Facebook, but my website is Mind Money Balance. My podcast is of the same name. My Instagram handle is of the same name. Um, If you are interested in doing some work on financial anxiety, I have a workbook called The Financial Anxiety Solution that you can purchase. I highly recommend grabbing it from your local community bookstore. They can order it for you so that way those dollars stay in your community. I get the same cut regardless of if you buy it on Amazon or down the street. So I'd have rather have you buy it down the street. Um, and if you want to learn a little bit more about your relationship with money, I have a free financial archetype quiz that you can take at mindmoneybalance.com slash quiz.
0: Amazing. I will include links to all the resources mentioned in the show notes, Lindsay. Again, thank you so much for taking the time. Speaking of money and resources, t- time is such a beautiful resource, and you shared some of yours today with me and with us. And I'm so grateful for that. Thank you.
1: Oh, likewise, Cassidy. Thanks for having me, and nice chatting with you again on this on this side of things. Yes, thanks.
0: I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air and go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned in to this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me, for sure, but also for you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.